Open your Bibles with me to John 1 and 1 Timothy 3. John 1 and 1 Timothy 3. Uh, This is just such a wonderful passage of Scripture. What we're doing at the beginning of this year, after our our special Sunday next week, Lord willing, we're going to be diving into Zechariah. And uh, don't worry, there'll be a review because we started it. I don't know, in a previous dispensation, but we're going we're gonna to try and finish it. But um, what we're trying to do at the beginning of this year is focus our thinking the way that God would have us enter into the new year. And today, I just want to exalt Christ. I just want to lift up Christ and have, have all of us to, to lift our eyes to Jesus Christ today. And what a great place to start. Look at John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Look at verse 10. He was in the world. And the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But to as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Look at verse 16. And of His fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. Dear Heavenly Father, help us as we study Your Word this morning. And Lord, there is a lot to distract us today. A lot of things going on in our lives. But Lord, just for this little bit of time, help us to think only about You and Your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. What we see in John chapter 1 is the presentation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And it is a wonderful thing to see that Jesus Christ is not only the Son of God, but He is also our Creator. And... How many of you here believe in miracles? You, you, you believe in miracles. Well, the greatest miracle that ever took place happened in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. The, the greatest miracle that ever took place is that everything that is came from God. And it is interesting that science now tells us that everything came from a singularity, that if you go far enough back in time, there was nothing, and that everything just happened. It just happened. It took science a long time to figure that out. Right? We've known that for, you know, 6,000 years. As soon as God spoke, the world leapt into existence. And the agency, the, the one who spoke the world into existence is the second person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is the God that we worship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent. The Bible identifies them as the Godhead, and it is interesting that the, that the word, the title Godhead, is used three times in your Bible, representing the three persons of the Godhead. That is, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is interesting also that in all of God's institutions, in all of God's institutions, there is order, 
structure and submission. Order, structure, and submission. God the Father ordains. It's His will, by His will, that everything happens. God the Son speaks, and God the Holy Spirit executes. We see that in creation. The Bible says in Genesis 1.1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John 1, it says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's Jesus. He spoke it. Genesis chapter 2, you see the Spirit moving on the face of the deep. So you have God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit all represented in creation, each of them having a role, but each of them being equal and eternal. Order, structure, and submission in all of God's institutions. But God the Son has specific duties and specific roles And, of course, it is He who we worship this morning. The reason we come to church on Sunday morning is because that's when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We worship a resurrected Christ. And not only did He rise from the dead, but He ascended to the right hand of the Father, and now He sits there making intercession for His saints. That's you and me. Anyone who is saved, Jesus Christ makes intercession. We can come boldly into the throne of grace, according to Hebrews chapter 4, because Jesus Christ went there first. Isn't that wonderful? That is the person that we worship. Did any of you pray to Jesus this week? Did any of you pray to Jesus this week? That is the one by whom we have access to the throne of God. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 16. Look at verse 16. I love this. And without controversy... I hear pages turning. I want to wait. I want everybody to see this. 1 Timothy 3, 16. Oh, and if you don't have a Bible with you, just look under the chair in front of you. Uh, there's a Bible provided for you, and we'll be all over the Scriptures today. But look at uh, 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, Received up into glory. (laughs) That is our Savior. Don't you just love that verse? That is one of my favorite verses. But what I think is funny, it says, and without controversy. Now, if you stood up and read this verse at school, young people, this week, how many of you think there would be controversy? Would there be controversy? I heard about one of our young people this week, and somebody tell him he hates him because he's a Christian. And the response was fantastic. He said, we don't hate you. (laughs) Isn't that good? You know, because, of course, his pastor might have wanted to punch the guy in the nose, but he did a better job of representing Christ than many of us could. That's one of our young people. Isn't that a blessing? It's really wonderful that God God does something in people's lives. But I like what the verse says, and without controversy. Among whom? Anybody that believes God. Anyone who believes the truth. There is no controversy. God was manifest in the flesh. In whom? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not only God, He is God who manifests Himself in the flesh for us without controversy. God. I like it. It was called the mystery of godliness. Boy, it is a mystery too, isn't it? It's something that could not be known unless God had revealed it to us. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. 
God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. I've mentioned to you before that John Phillips, the commentator, he, he lists that verse, verse 1, and then he, he wrote this, but there remains so much more to be said. Isn't that good? And so verse 2 comes in, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That is the Savior that we worship. Not only did He create everything, He upholds all things by the word of His power. That's who Jesus Christ is. That is our Savior. That's Jesus. And what I think is interesting is when Jesus Christ is identified as God, He is almost always identified as the Creator. That is why the world, those who hate God, must first undermine the fact that He created the world. They have to start there. Because if Jesus Christ is our Creator then we are accountable to Him. Uh, I mentioned in the Sunday School Hour, I watched a debate between a man named Frank Turek and Christopher Hitchens. And Hitchens just hated Christianity and hated God. He's passed away now. But he hated Christianity and he hated God. He wrote a book called God is Not Great. And Turek summed up uh, Hitchens' beliefs in his closing statements. He said, this is the theme of Christopher Hitchens' book. There is no God and I hate Him. There is no God, and I hate Him. One of Hitchens' attacks on the God of the Bible is the morality attack. He believes that the God of the Bible is immoral. He is immoral. Well, the only way that there can be morality is if there is a God. The only way that there, for there to be a moral law is for to, there to be a moral law giver. Is that right? So what Turek said, Christopher... You have to crawl up into God's lap in order to slap Him in the face. He's using the morality provided by God to criticize the God who He doesn't believe exists. It is so interesting that they have to attack the creatorship now of God. Now, it's so interesting. Don't forget... Uh, I love this illustration. Don't forget Metal Detector Man. How many of you remember Metal Detector Man? Metal Detector Man is the guy. How many of you have seen a guy on the beach with a metal detector? Have you ever seen this? All right. So he's on the beach and he's looking for gold or jewelry or some kind of metal in order to sell it. So he sweeps the beach with his metal detector and he stops and he makes a declaration. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt because I've used my metal detector on this beach that there is no plastic or rubber anywhere on the beach. Um... Sir, uh, it's a metal detector. No, no, you don't understand. Not only is there no plastic or rubber on the beach, there's no plastic or rubber anywhere in the world because with my metal detector, I did not find it. Um, sir, your metal detector is made of plastic and rubber. No, no, yeah, no, no. My, my metal detector found no plastic or rubber. Now, how many of you would recognize that this guy has a few screw looses? Screws loose. Right? This guy has some serious problems in his thinking. That is Christopher Hitchens. That's Richard Dawkins. 
That, that, this is Sam Harris and all of these people. They're called the New Atheists. And they are not only atheists, they are anti-theists. They hate us. And what they're saying is, I have searched the world to give evidence for how the world came into existence, excluding the possibility of there being a God. And so I have not found him. That's interesting, isn't it? That's interesting. And so what the world does is they try to remove the creatorship of Jesus Christ with what the Bible calls as science, falsely so-called, and so they cannot find him. He's not available to them, and so they do not find him. The only problem is he's written his law in their hearts. They know that he exists. The problem is they don't want anyone telling them what to do. If there is a moral lawgiver, then there is a moral lawgiver to whom they are accountable because they are sinners. If there is no God, if there is no moral law, then I am free to do whatever I want to do and no one can restrain me. The only problem is there is a God. There is a moral law. There is a moral lawgiver. And He has revealed Himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Turek said to Hitchens, he said, what you believe is that it went from goo to you by way of the zoo. (laughs) From goo to you by way of the zoo. I love that. And you'll hear that over and over again now. All right, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. So that's God the Father. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne, that is the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ, and that's God the Son. So you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit mentioned here in this text. And so then verse 5 again, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. And what you'll see now is a whole list of titles of Jesus Christ. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. I want you to think about something. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ is going to return and sit on the throne of David? How many of you believe that that's going to happen? But here's what else he's going to do. He's Every other kingdom in the world, he's going to be the king of that kingdom as well. Isn't that awesome? There's a great discussion when Prince Charles divorced Diana and he married a divorcee. Could he actually become the king? That apparently is not going to be a problem because the queen is just rudely living too long. And so his son, Will William, will probably be the king of England. And you don't have to worry about the controversy from in between. How many of you honestly could not care less? Honestly, you just could not care less. I'm in your class right there. Aren't you glad that here in America we don't have kings? Right? We fought a pretty good revolution so that we would not have to be under monarchs. And yet so many Americans are interested in the monarchy. That's interesting, isn't it? That's interesting. But anyway, I know who's going to be the king of England. Jesus Christ. Amen? I know who's going to be the king of the United States. Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ returns, look at what it says. He is the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood Then look what the Bible says. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever 
and ever. Amen. So after church, I expect you to call me King James. Your majesty will be fine. It's awesome. We are kings. We are kings and priests before God. Is that what the Bible says? Is that what it says right here? That is wonderful. Who are you in Christ? I'm a king and I'm a priest. And here's the best part of it. We are all equal in the body of Christ. Child, adult, doesn't matter what race you are, doesn't matter what sex you are, even the people who are confused on that if they're saved. It is wonderful that we are all equal in the body of Christ. That's so, that's so wonderful. We are kings and priests. There's no hierarchy in God's work. And then I like what it says. Amen. Look at verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And remember, that's Zechariah chapter 12. It talks about that. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. And look at this. Even so. Amen. Now, everybody look up here just at me for a minute. Now, you got we have some mercy people in here, and I'm really glad we do because you balance me out. Okay? I'm glad that we have mercy people. But I'm just telling you, when Jesus Christ comes back, and those who have rejected him, Wail. Do you know what we should say? Even so come. Is that what it says? Even so. Amen. Now, here's the deal. I don't want anyone to suffer. I don't want anyone to experience the judgment of God. Neither does God. The Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is really important. How many of you ladies here have ever had the attention of a boy or a young man, and you did not want that attention. Would you raise your hands? Any of you girls? Anyone in here? Yeah. You did not want that attention. Now, what you do is you, generally speaking, this is what you usually say. Let's just be friends. (laughs) Am I right? Let's just be friends. Now, guys, you need to understand, or girls, I should say. Girls, you need to understand this. Guy's not interested in friendship. In most cases, right? So this guy, he wants to be more than your friend, and he is pursuing you. How many of you remember that song? I think it was Frankie Valley. My Eyes Adored You. Remember that? That's a stalker song if there's ever been one. <laughs> that is one of the creepiest songs I have ever heard. He was, he was a creeper. <laughs> All right? So girls, you've got this guy... And he has pursued you. And you tell him, no. So he captures you. And he says, I am going to make you love me. Can he? No. No. Why? You cannot force someone to love you. So here's what's happened in eternity. God through Jesus Christ, has manifested Himself, made Himself plain, given His love to the world, expressed to the people that He wants to love them. Is that right? When you, when you get saved, you're a part of the bride of Christ. He's the bridegroom. He is pursuing the world. Jesus Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's why Jesus Christ came. And so what happens is, A person, throughout their life, they reject Jesus, they reject Jesus, they reject Jesus. And now, God's going to force that person to be with Him through eternity? 
No, he's going to give that person exactly what they want, eternity without him. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Every good thing that happens in the world comes from God. And so for eternity, you don't want to be with God. Your choice is that you do not want to be with Him. He's going to let you. And that means you're going to be apart from everything that is good. That's how bad hell is. However wonderful heaven is, that's how bad hell is. Heaven is wonderful because God is there. Hell is awful because God is not there. And ultimately, that is what the the people of the world who, who reject Jesus Christ, that is what they are saying. I do not want you. I think about the Sandy Hook shooting. Wasn't that a horrible thing? I will say this. When President Obama stood there and wept, he would have been happy to have all those children killed six years earlier. The only difference is the umbilical cord. Is that right? We weep at all of those children's deaths. All of them. But I heard this statement after the Sandy Hook shooting. Where was God? Well, the school told him he wasn't allowed to be there. And the farther we get away from the worship, the person, and the morality of Jesus Christ, the more this world will devolve into senseless and horrible violence and injustice. The Bible talks about Jesus Christ, who is the just and justifier of them that believe. People who are crying for social justice, there cannot be any justice, social or any other kind, without the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did I just say? We are kings and priests before God. You want equality, get saved and get involved in a New Testament church. We are all equal. There was no one here that has higher stature. I get to stand up here and preach the Word of God, but I have no more authority with God than you do. The only authority I have is when I speak the Word of God. Isn't that a blessing? We are equal in the body of Christ. If you want social justice, then understand the Bible says that in Him there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are one in Jesus Christ. That's where justice is. That's where freedom is. That's where liberty is. The Bible said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The only way that we can have true social justice and peace and joy is through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who He is. That's our Savior. That is our Savior. Isn't that wonderful? Then look at what it says. He has made us kings and priests. He's coming in the clouds. Every eye shall see Him in verse 7. Then look at verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning... And the ending, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Now, I want you to notice something. God the Father is described in verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him, look at, which is, and which was, and which is to come. That's God the Father. Now, Jesus Christ is described in verse 8. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Now, if you wonder what Alpha and Omega mean, means, it means the beginning and the ending. That's, that's what it says there. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, 
the Almighty. So when the Bible describes Jesus Christ, it gives him the same title as God the Father. And what I want to deal with this morning, just for our next few minutes, is this. Look at the end of verse 8. The Almighty. The Almighty. Jesus Christ is the Almighty God. Now let me ask you a question. Is your Savior Almighty? Is your Savior Almighty? Here's my next question. Are you living as if He is? You see, here's our problem. We live in a fallen world, in a fallen culture, in a fallen society, in fallen bodies, working and married to fallen people. Is that right? And so what happens is we end up with a world full of trouble. And sometimes it seems like whichever way you turn, you're bumping your head into some real trouble. Who do you turn to? Who do you turn to? Do you turn to Almighty God? Now let's look at this and go to Isaiah chapter 9. Let's look at Jesus Christ, what it means for Him to be the Almighty. Isaiah chapter 9. And yes, folks, it's okay to read this verse at a time other than Christmas. Isaiah chapter 9. Look at verse 6. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now, we can't just read past that. We skip to the verse in John 1. Jesus, or John the Baptist is speaking about Jesus. And he says this, He's preferred before me because he was before me. The only problem is, John was born before Jesus. How does that happen? Because Jesus Christ is Almighty God, which was and which is and is to come. I like the passage that says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever in the book of Hebrews. So anyway, look at what it says in verse 6 again. For unto us a child is born, that's his body. Unto us a son is given, that's the son, eternally with God. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Let's just stop there for a minute. The government shall be upon his shoulder. How many of you are frustrated with government right now? Raise your hands. A little bit. Holy cow, when you look at the election that's coming up. <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> you got Donald Trump? Really? He was a Democrat until six months ago. <laughs> you know, so much of this stuff that's going on, you look at what these people are saying, you have a socialist. Man, if I was there, I'd take his car home. It's mine this week. You don't believe in private property. That's my car. <laughs> the banks. <laughs> and then Hillary's going to be in jail, you know, for whatever. It's just a mess when you look at everything that's going on. Is that right? Then you look over in the Middle East. How's Baghdad doing? What about Libya? What about Egypt? El-Sisi is the head of Egypt, but everybody that he ran out that's from the, the Muslim Brotherhood, they all want to kill him. He could die any minute. The Middle East is about to blow up. Abbas, they're trying to, to work with him in the Palestinian territories. Well, you can't make an agreement with him. He's going to be dead in six months. Then what are they going to do? It is a mess. This world is a mess. How about Putin? Their money has lost 50% in the last year. 
He's the strong man. The only thing anything can go well in Russia is if he keeps building up the military. And now because the gas prices are down, because Saudi Arabia is flooding the market with oil to put out, to put out of business the oil shale manufacturers in the United States and to shut down what's going on in Russia, what's, what's he going to do next? Invade somebody. Right? He's a crazy little guy. You've got to watch us for those little people like me. You've got to be careful when we get power. Chip on our shoulders. It's crazy. This world, China, China's economy is falling apart. So what they're doing is they're, they're starting to take over the islands that are all around them. They're building a, a, a navy. They've never had a navy. They want to be able to deliver missiles to us. Great. I don't mean UPS. <laughs> this world is crazy. Got a complete liberal nut has become the, the prime minister of Canada. And Mexico, come on, it's a mess. It is Politically, it is so corrupt, it's almost as bad as Washington. It is a mess. And so if I give my, and we can keep going, let's just talk about the rest of the nations. If you look at the, the so-called socialistic societies, you know, Denmark and Sweden, they're going crazy because they had open immigration, now they're full of Muslims, and now if you say anything, they'll kill you. It's great. I, I was watching... Uh, a debate, and this this teacher, this professor, short, real short-haired lady, you'll see why that's a point in a minute. She's a Muslim feminist. Does that make your head hurt? <laughs> Try to get your head around that. A Muslim feminist. And her goal is to make sure that nobody badmouths Islam on campuses. If I were a Muslim, I'd say, shut up, put on your burqa. It makes no sense. This world is crazy. Look around. Is it going to get better? But the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9, look at what it says. Verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Look at verse 7. Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Are you ready for this? It's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. Now, listen. How many of you can tell that I read a little bit about politics? Can you tell? If I'm not careful... I can let that dominate my thinking. When do you know what ought to dominate my thinking? The Almighty God, Jesus Christ. Because here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. It's all going to fall apart. And it's all going to go to hell. Right? And Jesus Christ is going to return and fix it. Uh, no, wait a minute. Jesus Christ is going to return and destroy it all and then fix it. That's what's going to happen. So here's the deal. We get so invested in all of this political stuff. We get so invested in it. People get... Uh, and let me just say this. The religious right, the religious right, the Christian Republicans, you people, you might be here today. If you are, you're not going to like me. Because you people, there's never been a war that you didn't like. You understand that the purpose of the army is to kill people and break things. Right? Man, there are people that need to be stopped. 
But aggressive war for political reasons, it's wrong. It is wrong. Does anybody agree with me on that? It's wrong. And so we have to be careful. We don't want to support a warmongering president that will go around doing things that are completely immoral. Is that right? And so what you have is sometimes it seems like you have two choices. You have people that hate our system, right? Remember what Michelle Obama said when he was nominated for the first time in her life, she was proud to be an American. So you have people that hate our system, right? Then you have other people that love our system, but they also love militarism. How many of you recognize that's bo- they're both wrong? They are both wrong. And that's where we as believers, we need to step back from the political process and have the mind of Christ and say, what, how would God want me to vote in this situation? And one of the big problems we have is that we have Christians who go back to the Old Testament where God told the Israelite to drive out the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Termites and just run all those people. And they think that's what we as a nation are supposed to do today. That was for the nation of Israel. It has absolutely nothing to do with the United States of America. And we as Christians need to understand that in many cases we're sending our soldiers because we didn't send our missionaries. So we as Christians ought to be more interested in sending missionaries than sending soldiers. Now, what happens is people fill in blanks that aren't there. Let me make make it very clear. I, I want us as the United States to have a strong military. Right? All that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Right? But if bad men take a good thing and use it for bad things, what is that? That's a bad thing. So we want to make sure that we have leaders. Leaders that are going to do right. And I'll tell you, I'm not sure who would do that at this point. So what are we supposed to do? Look to Almighty God, the Prince of Peace, the one, the Bible says, the government will be upon His shoulder. Listen, I don't find the United States in Bible prophecy. We're not mentioned. We're just not mentioned, which means we'll probably be irrelevant in the, in the decision. How that happens, I don't know. But I know this, the government's on his shoulder. Of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So while we ought to be, it it is our responsibility, our stewardship to be involved in our government. And I agree, I believe that. Do you all agree with me on that? It is our responsibility to be involved in our government. Don't let anyone speak for you. Don't become co-opted by the religious right. Don't do that. Don't be co-opted by the socialist left. Don't do that. Let's be biblical in our understanding of current events and let our worldview be dominated by the Scriptures and we will vote better. That doesn't mean the person we vote for will be elected, but at least we'll be able to be honest. Amen? We'll be able to be honest. What do you give more time to? Politics or the Almighty God? You see, all of a sudden, the problems in the world seem smaller when we look at Almighty God. Go with me to Psalm 24. i got to finish this up. Psalm 24. One of my favorite psalms. I mentioned John Phillips, the commentator. I got to preach in a meeting with him once, 
And he preached this text, and it was one of the most amazing sermons I ever heard. But look at Psalm 24 and verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Can we just think about that for a minute? It's His. It's His. The earth is the Lord and the fullness is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein, for He hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in His holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Who is that? Jesus Christ. That is Jesus Christ. Then look at what it says in verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. Now remember from our Zechariah study, when you see the Lord of hosts, that is the Lord leading His armies. Then look at what it says. The Lord of hosts, He is the King of glory, Selah. When you see that word Selah, you know it has to do with His kingdom. When He comes to establish His kingdom, His millennial rest in the world, Jesus Christ, our King, is going to come and conquer this world and bring peace to this world and rule it in righteousness and peace for a thousand years. Then the great white throne judgment will take place. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, And I saw a great white throne and He that sat on it, from whose face the heavens and the earth fled away and there was found no place for them. Then Revelation chapter 21, there's a new heaven and a new earth coming down from heaven out of God. It is so wonderful what Jesus Christ is going to do. Man, when you start looking at these big picture things, some of the things that frustrate us and cause us stress and torment, it's only because we've taken our eyes off of Almighty God. I asked you earlier, do you pray to Jesus Christ? This week, did you pray to Jesus? And I know that you did. But did you pray to Almighty God? Go to Psalm 91. I think this passage defines our trouble. I heard a preacher, R.B. Willette, he preached for us a while back. I heard a message that he preached on this text. And the, the message was titled, Just Visiting. Just visiting. You'll see why he preached that here in a second. Look at Psalm 91 and verse 1. He that, what's that next word? Dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The shadow of the Almighty. Um, have you ever been afraid? You ever been afraid? When I was flying from Israel to Jordan, and then from Jordan to Lebanon, when I got to Lebanon, I was afraid. The pastor there picked me up at the airport and was driving me to the church, and he pointed to a building. It was about from where I was to where that back wall is. And he said, that's Hezbollah's headquarters in Beirut. And let me tell you something about being in Lebanon. I don't blend. Okay? I was afraid. Another time I was in um, Ghana, West Africa. And I came out of the airport looking for my ride. And the, only about, they only have about 30% employment, 70% unemployment there. 
And so people want to be paid to carry your suitcases. There were thousands of people there grabbing at my suitcases and everything that I had. I was afraid. I wasn't afraid that anyone was going to hurt me. They were very wonderful people there. I was afraid all my stuff was going to be gone. I was afraid. Have you ever been afraid? I was um, in Chicago when I was young, probably 18, 19 years old, and my car got towed. And uh, my buddy and me, I didn't have enough money to get it out. It was like 100 bucks, And, you know, it might, have been a, might as well have been a million dollars for me at that point. You know what I mean? And so we're just walking, trying to figure out what to do. We went to the tow place. They asked me, they told me it was going to be $125 or whatever. So my buddy and me, Jimmy Wilson, we're walking. We're just walking, trying to figure out what to do. And this cop pulls over. He rolls down his window and he said, what are you doing? I'm thinking, I'm just walking. He said, do you know where you are? Chicago. He said, you're in Cabrini Green. This place, the police don't even want to go in there. And there's these two extremely white kids walking through this horrible part of town. And all of a sudden, I was afraid. Another time, I was driving home from uh, seeing a friend and I fell asleep and wrecked my car. And police come and the cars, the wreckers towing me out of the ditch and the guy pulled up my driver's license. And I didn't know this. I was only 18. I'd gotten a ticket in New York before I moved and it, they had suspended my license. So again, I'm in Chicago. Do you know what happens when you drive with a suspended license in Chicago? They put you in jail. And, okay, so I'm 52 now, and I look younger than that. Can you imagine what I looked like when I was 18? It's like I was 10 years old, you know, <laughs> which is really a bummer when you're trying to date. Let me tell you this. So they put me in this holding cell in Chicago, and I'm looking around at criminals, okay? And there's this guy in a, I'm just scared to death in this... Uh, you tell he was a lieutenant or whatever because he had a white uniform on. He's walking by, has his cup of coffee, and he looks in, and I saw him do this. And I saw him go over and just start yelling at somebody, and next thing you know, they pulled me out of the cell and put me in my own private thing to keep me safe <laughs> because, man, I was fresh meat for these guys. It, oh, man, it would have been bad. I was afraid. Well, there's that kind of fear, and then there's the kind of fear that comes when they tell you you have cancer. There's the kind of fear that comes when your child is sick. There's the kind of fear that comes when you're laid off and you don't know where you can find a job and you've got to provide for your family. There's the kind of fear that comes when your husband leaves you or your wife leaves you, and, and you've got to enter into life by yourself and you don't know how to make these decisions. And That's a completely different kind of fear. As a believer, worshiping Almighty God, when those times come, we should turn our fear into trust in the one that has promised that He would never leave us nor forsake us. The reason that sometimes our fear overcomes us is this. Look at verse 1 again. <clears throat> He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. 
He is the Almighty, but for many of us, He is our last resort. You see, the Bible says we're supposed to dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. And Brother Willett's message was that many of us are just visiting. We come and see Him once in a while, but we don't dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, then your God is the Almighty God. Your Savior is Almighty God. That is the one that we worship. That is the Savior that we see. That is the Lord that is with us. That is the one who dwells in us. That is the one who loves us with a love that cannot be separated. That's the one that we worship. That is the one to whom we pray. As we've said many times, most of us never ask God for anything that Bill Gates couldn't give us. I can promise you this. Bill Gates is not Almighty God. Jesus Christ is. Go back with me to Revelation 1 and let's finish up. Can we see who this Jesus is just real quickly in verse 5, Revelation 1, 5? And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. The faithful witness, you can trust Him. What He says, you can trust. Then look at what it says. And the first begotten from the dead. In chapter 2, it says, which was dead and is alive. That's Jesus Christ. We don't have to fear death. He's already conquered it. Then the prince of the kings of the earth. We don't have to worry about what happens with human government. Jesus Christ will reign. And then the best part is this. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ? There's an old song, Are You Washed in the Blood? Have you been washed in the blood of of Christ? Isn't it wonderful that your sin's not covered? The Bible says he's cast it as far as the east is from the west and he remembers it no more. Corey Ten Boom said that uh, he cast it in the deepest sea and posts a no fishing sign. It's just gone. Our sin is just gone. And so many times we live in fear because of the sin of our past. When Jesus Christ has washed that sin, he's almighty God. He's given you a new name. He's given you a new destination. He's given you a new home. He's given you a new family. He's given you a new life. Just live that new life to its fullest. Don't live in fear. Don't live in fear. Don't live in doubt. Live in the supreme confidence that the one who loves you and saved you and is coming back for you is almighty God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you.